shout his name in this place. We love you, Jesus. We honor you and thank you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we realize as we've sung today, whilst there are many names in history, there is one name, only one name in eternity. The name of Jesus, Jesus, you have been given the name above every name, every name in heaven, on earth, and even under the earth. And there is nobody like you, Jesus. Nobody has done what only you could do. And you gave your life so freely, so sacrificially. And Lord, we honor you. We thank you today as your people. What a joy it is to come together and just to say the name of Jesus in one accord. We praise you. We love you. We thank you. And even though, Lord, Lord, we may not see you with our eyes, our hearts know you. We know you even though we haven't seen you. We thank you for the wonderful, wonderful, precious relationship we have with your Spirit. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, forevermore, we'll never be the same. Our lives are brand new. Come on, church. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives forevermore in me. And what a joy it is to see you break out in our day, break out of our lives, break out of our mouths, break out of our eyes. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for taking our lives, for putting them back together. In fact, not putting them back together, for making them brand new creatures, something they could never have been, something they never were without your involvement, Jesus. You're wonderful. We're brand new. We live in you. We move in you. We have our entire being in you. And what a joy it is. What a joy it is as we transition through this world, as we transition and we come towards that great, wonderful day when the clouds will part, when the sky will split, and Jesus and all the angels of God will return to this broken, sin-infested earth to establish your kingdom forevermore. We praise you, Jesus. Come on, before you sit down, why don't you give him another shout of praise in this place? Lift the roof off, church. He's your savior. He's your deliverer. He's your healer. He's more than enough for any and every life situation that you face. We praise you. Amen. Come on, give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. We love you. Well, I better let you sit down. Let's show our, our appreciation to our musicians this morning. Wonderful. Wonderful. My goodness, Father's Day has come around again. Wonderful. What a great day. And we are going to celebrate today, Father's Day, and we're going to honor our fathers in this house. We're going to honor those men that take care of others. It's not just about, you know, being a father biolog biologically. There are fathers in this house that are young men and they're not, they haven't even got any children. But they father and they look after others before them, younger people, a younger generation. But also, of course, it's about, about, you know, being a father and having a home and raising a family. It's great that we take at least a moment in every year, a day like this, to honor our fathers. We do it for mothers and that's right, it's honorable and it's good. But it's good to take a day like this to honor our fathers in this house. I wonder what you woke up to this morning. I woke up to four children and a wonderful wife giving me chocolates and a card and some money. Do you know what the suggestion was? I got 25 pounds today. And do you know what, right? The suggestion was to, to, to spend the money on some weights. 
I, I mean, I don't know if I need any more muscles or what, but I think, I think I'm going to buy some dumbbells. So if you see my shirt split, and it could be because of this very gift today. I know I was chatting with Lee Hillier. Listen to this one. Lee got a pair of running shorts tone, some Lycra leggings, some new, new trainers, and a, nice, you know, and a nice shirt to go running in. Fanta, I wonder what you got. But it's great. It really is to, to be a dad, to be a father. And of course, you know, there's many, many different mixed emotions in this room today. Because your experience of your dad, your father, may not have been a good one. And when we, when we talk about father, and when we use this term father, lots of memories can be conjured up in our minds and in our hearts. Some of us may look back on having a dad, and it's been a wonderful experience. It's, it's, it's a joyous memory to think about your dad, but some of us today, we may really struggle with this whole idea of fathers being good and fathers being faithful and fathers being loving because maybe your father was absent for most of the time that you were growing up, and it's a really difficult thing for you to approach and for you to think about. And if that's the case today, whether, you know, you're struggling with this whole ideal of, of a father figure in your life, or whether you remember and you look back on a, on a great childhood of being brought up under the fatherly care of your dad, whatever your, 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 your experience today is of having a father or not having a father, I want to tell you that there's a perfect heavenly father. There really is. You know this. You know this. We have a perfectly, we have a perfect heavenly Father that loves us, that will never fail us, that will correct us and discipline us right on time, that knows every issue, that knows every eventuality, and His love is unconditional. His love is unending. His faithfulness is flawless. Whether your experience of having a father today is a good one or a bad one, you have a heavenly father that will never fail you, that will never love you. And today you may be here, maybe, and, and you feel hurt inside. I want to I encourage you that the father's love, as a result of what Jesus, his son, has done, the father's love flows towards you to heal all those broken places and broken areas Maybe where your father has been absent, your father in heaven will never be absent. You, you will never, ever face another lonely day. Just allow his care and his love to do what only his love and care can do. We have a heavenly, loving father. We really do. You know, as I was preparing this week for what I'm going to say today, I just looked at a definition in the dictionary for a father. What, what does our dictionaries, how do our dictionaries define this word? Well, they don't define it very well. Dictionary definition of a father, here it is. Here it is. A man who has a relational obligation to his children. Well, that's not, that, that biologically that might be so, but it's a very cold empty term, very cold, empty definition. There's so much more to being a father than just a man that has an obligation biologically to his children. There really is. And the Word of God, the Bible, really fills out in brilliant color what a father is and what a father should be. And as we look at the Word of God and as we consider some things this morning, just four simple aspects of a father's love, I think we can encourage ourselves as dads. I think we can learn some things. And I think as we go forward into our future, we can set our course in a more focused way with, in relation to our children as we love them and bring them up under our care. So I want to look this morning at four aspects of a father's love. Now, of course, there's no perfect father. We're growing and developing. 
and, and learning how to improve and do this as we go along. But four aspects that every father will have as they go on this journey with their children. The first one that I want to concentrate is on this. A father's love protects. A father's love protects. If you have children, you're protective about your children. Not just do you physically stand up and take a hit for them. Not only do you just, you know, get involved in a, in a physical way, but your love is caring and protective for your children as they grow and as they move through each life stage. You know, there's a wonderful picture in Proverbs chapter 4 about a father that's having a conversation with his son. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture as the son comes towards his future. And his future is full of choices. His future is full of decisions that he's got to make. And as you read between the lines of this great chapter, Proverbs chapter 4, what you see is a father understanding the needs of his son. As he moves forward towards his future, you see the, the, the father coming alongside shoulder to shoulder with his son to give him advice to give him instruction, to give him guidance and counsel, to bring out the many years of wisdom, collective wisdom from his heart through life experience. And he wants to lay it all at the feet of his son so that his son will be blessed. His son will do well. His son will go forward into his future strong. That's a father's heart, a loving father's heart. You see, for a father to be protective, it's not just about strength and physical brawn and standing up to the attacks and the bullies of life. That may be an aspect of it. But a father's love is protective in the advice, in the instruction, in the commands, in the guidance that he gives his children. And Proverbs chapter 4 displays this beautifully in the Bible. Let me read just some verses to you from it, and you'll see this as we move through it. Verse 10 to verse 12 of Proverbs chapter 4 says this, Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths, when you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. You see, this father isn't beating his son down. This father wants his son to succeed. This father wants his son to stand on his shoulders and go higher and do more than anything that he's ever done. This is the love of a father. This is the protective love of a father that's giving advice and, and words of wisdom to his son as he goes forward into his future. And I want to encourage you today, if you are a father and if you are a dad, your children, our children need us to be alongside them. They need you to be a role model. They need you to stand by them. At the, at the junctures of life where the pressure is on and where they just don't know what to do or what decision to make, that's when they need their dad. That's when they need their father to come with the, the, the advice and the wisdom and the instruction that you've gleaned from life. And this is what this father was doing. On into verse 20 through to verse 27, he continues, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those that find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, from, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth. Flee from perversity. Keep your talk far from uh, keep corrupt talk far from your lips. 
Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet. And be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. What a relationship we see in this chapter of a father walking with his son, walking with his children. It could have been a daughter. A wonderful relationship. That does not come overnight. That conversation and that level of respect and that entrance into that young man's heart came as a result of a father pouring his life into that young man's life year after year after year after year. Work, toil, effort, preparing the ground, preparing the foundation so that his son could go forward into a great future. Fathers in this place, your children need you like never before, especially in the world that we live in with all of the voices and the influences that try to steer them and guide them. And they don't need us, you know, to point the finger. They don't need us to rail down correction. They need us in a way like they've never needed us before. An open heart. We need an open heart into their lives. And that requires time. That requires investment from all of us. And it is, listen, it's an awesome thing to be a father. It really is. Fathers are protective in the advice that they give. Now, some of the advice that you give, dads, you know. It's going to cut right across the desires and the very will of your children's hearts. I remember one occasion, you know, coming home one day, I had a new best friend. He was larger than life. We, you know, we were starting to really, you know, thrive in our, in our friendship. I was just a young teenager, and this guy was a little bit older than me, and suddenly... You know, life became like this big movie and you're excited and, you know, you just want to meet up and, and just do things. And then one day I brought my mate home and we were just having tea at my house. And later that night, my dad sat down with me and he said, Dave, he said, I'm going to say something to you now that you're not going to understand and you may not like, but it's going to be important that you listen to me. It was a bit like this conversation that the father was having with his son in Proverbs chapter 4. I said, yeah, dad, okay. I love my dad. Son, I don't want you to develop a strong friendship relationship with this new lad that's come on the scene. Immediately, I couldn't understand Immediately, you know, you recoil, and, and as my dad began to explain some things to me, I started to get angry. I started to, you know, shout and scream and dance, and I started to reject everything my father said. I couldn't understand what, what my father was saying and why he did not like this, this young lad. It seemed so unfair. It seemed so wrong. The friendship seemed so right. And he said, listen, Dave, and he, he, he wasn't being controlling and he, he wasn't being nasty to this young man, but he had to bring order and he had to bring direction, correction and protection for my life because he loved me. I couldn't see further than my nose. My dad had a whole life experience that be, was able to understand people and what they do and what they go through. Anyway, I carried on you know, developing and forging ahead in a friendship with this, this guy, even when my father didn't know. I assured him, yeah, no, the friendship's over. I just carried on maintaining it. Well, it wasn't too long before that young man started to do some crazy things. My, my dad had never met the guy before. My dad, you know, he, he, he didn't even know, the, know the, the young man before I brought him to the house. But he could understand. He could understand that, that, that the influence of this young man was going to take my life in a wrong way. It wasn't long. He started to do some crazy things. The police were involved. 
and, and, and some hurtful things to other people. Well, I was off the scene by them, but do you know what? The memory is still etched in my mind. When, you're, when, when a father speaks, when a father has a discernment about a situation, when a father's wisdom sees things that are not right and good for your life, you better listen. Even if it doesn't sit well with you, even if it seems unfair, listen to your dad. And fathers, don't be afraid to bring that instruction. Don't be afraid to shed light on a situation that may be arising that God makes you aware of. Why? Because your love is protective. I remember walking one day to, Dan to school with Daniel. And we were just talking away. And then suddenly in my heart, a scripture from the book of Proverbs rose up. And it was this. A wise man foresees evil afar off and avoids it. But a fool walks straight into it. I said to Daniel, I said, son, there's going to be trouble in your classroom this morning. And son, I'm telling you now, the Bible says, a wise man foresees evil afar off, but a fool walks straight into it. I said, son, be a wise man. Don't get involved in the trouble. Stay far away from it. Well, I picked him up later that day. I said, um, I came out, he came out jumping and dancing like they do, kids. I said, hey, Daniel, how did it go today in class? You know, when we talked about, you know, that, that wise man that sees evil afar off. I said, I said, Jesus, I'm sure, was warning you this morning to be that wise man, to warn you about the trouble and the evil that was going to be besetting people in that classroom. How did it go? He said, well, Dad, you wouldn't believe it. He said, halfway through a lesson in the middle of the day, he said the class just erupted in trouble. He said, but because of what you said, I'd prior, I'd prior warned one of my friends and we just sat quietly while everybody else went crazy and we avoided the trouble. He said, all of the class but us were taken to the headmaster's office to be reprimanded. I'm telling you now, when a father warns his children... I tell you, you can avert disaster. You can avert trouble as this man was in Proverbs chapter 4. Fathers, have a voice. Have a voice into your children's lives. Why? Because you love them. You want them to succeed. You want them to be strong and you want them to go forward into their futures. A father's love is protective. Also, a father's love, secondly, provides. A father provides for his children. He's a provider. He really is. By nature, you provide. By nature, you set the temperature in the home. The temperature is set in a home by the father. If the father is going to be humpty, dumpty, grumpy, grumpy, I'm telling you now, the whole, the whole home is going is to, you know, go down into that mire. Fathers have to be strong. Fathers have to bring and provide a good, strong, positive influence in the home. They really do. Fathers provide. And when we look at our heavenly father, we see this whole wonderful aspect of provision. And it causes us. To, when seeing that wonderful aspect of his fatherly care and provision, it causes us to desire to provide in the same way. Listen to James chapter 1, verse 17. It says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every perfect gift is given from our heavenly Father. We may give gifts to our children, and those gifts have a shelf life. Those gifts may be in trend one year, out of trend another year. Oh, but the perfect gifts that are given by our heavenly Father, from our heavenly Father's hand, they never, ever date they never, ever go out of trend. That peace that he gives you, that comfort that he brings, that strength in the midst of sorrow, 
It's from his hand. It's a perfect gift. It's a peace that passes understanding, that guards your heart and your mind. What a gift. What a gift. That's in trend all year round, friends, in season and out of season. Your Father in heaven loves you and he loves to provide for you. And this whole aspect of provision is a result and is the outflow of the love that the Father has for us as his children. Faye already mentioned it, John chapter 3, verse 16. We read, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the Father sending his Son, Jesus, the provider God the Father sending Jesus, his Son, the provision. Fathers provide. Fathers provide. It's not good enough to be an absent father. Fathers by nature are not absent. Fathers by nature provide. They really do. And like I said, it is an awesome thing to stand in this role. As father, I remember, you know, when our first son, Daniel, was born. And you get the title father. And all the dads come up to you in church and they say, hey, welcome to the club. But really, do you know what being a father is? When you've got that little bundle of joy in your hands, you've no idea. You've got the name, but really, it's in name only. And then down throughout the years you begin to flesh out and you begin to understand the great awesome responsibility that you have in your home to raise up, to influence, to shape, to take on and lead on into great things for their lives. It is an awesome thing to be a dad. And you and you alone, dad, are responsible to bring provision in that way. 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 3 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We've been given new life as a result of our Father. Our Father in heaven initiated it. And released it through his son, Jesus. 1 John 1 verse 3. Talking again about the father's love and the father's care for our lives. Says this, see what great love the father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Fathers, lavish your love on your children. Lavish your love. Even when they get up in your face and you get in a mouthful of cheek. Listen, they are where they are. They're at the stage that, that they're at because they are just growing and learning and, and, and being trained by life itself. We can't shut them off just because, you know, they, 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 they're talking about things they don't know or have no understanding about. No, even in the midst of the most hostile circumstances in the home, lavish your love. Take the example of your heavenly father. And with that example, don't withhold your love, dads. Lavish your love on your children. You know, we grew up in some crazy situations. When I look back, we were missionaries to Portugal. We lived in Northern Ireland. We traveled to numerous places. I went to 13 different schools. As we were growing up and as my mum and dad were building their home, I mean, we traveled everywhere. And life was uncertain to a degree. We didn't know where we were going to be next. 
and some of the places, some of the environments, some of the external situations that, that we were in, some of the things that I saw would make you feel uncertain. But I can say this, even though the external world sometimes around us was very uncertain and troubled, when I went home, there was a loving home. Not a perfect dad, not a perfect mom, but I'm telling you now, the love of Jesus was in that home. And it brings you through. Lavish your love. Let today be a new day where you resolve, do you know what? I will lavish my love on my children. A father's love is protective. A father's love provides. Thirdly, a father's love is patient. You've got to be patient. There is not, there's, there's not any microwave children, is there? Microwavable children. Patient. Years. Years of patient. If you're going to be a good father, one of the aspects of your love towards your children, your family, is patience. You can't just walk away. You can't just leave the work undone. You've got to be patient. I think back and on how patient my parents had to be with me. But they were patient. Don't laugh. <laughs> it's not funny. They had to be patient with you too. Patient. A father's love is patient because he's allowing for growth. A father's love is patient because he sees the bigger picture that his children are moving into. A father's love is patient because they understand that a process is at work, and that means that children have to grow through many, many years and many life experiences with father, dad at their side. God examples wonderful patience. You know, sometimes we only look at God and we think, oh, he's all-powerful. He's almighty. That's right. That's good. Um, you know, sometimes because we, we magnify all of these other attributes and aspects of God's nature, sometimes we have a God that's very out of balance in the picture that we have of him. One of the attributes of God that is equally as great as his power is his patience. You and I are here today because, not just because of God's power, but because of God's patience. The world still has a chance. The lives around us still have hope that they may find Jesus because of nothing else other than this, God's patience. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. And Peter, Peter makes this statement for this reason, because people in his day were saying, listen, Jesus, said, Jesus has said he's coming back. Jesus has said that, that he's going to return. Jesus has said all of these things about his return, and we can't see any of it happening. And Peter brings correction. And he says, listen, all of those things are true. Everything that Jesus has detailed about his return, it's all going to happen one day just as he has said. God's not slow concerning all of the things regarding this next world that we are moving towards and going to move into one day when Jesus finally splits the sky and comes into our world. God's not slow concerning that, but he's patient. He's patient. He's not slow in keeping that promise regarding his return, as some understand slowness. Indeed, he is patient with you. God holds up his whole purpose. God holds up 
all of, of his desire to return finally, once and for all, to this world and bring in his kingdom because of his patience. His patience restrains them, and he doesn't want any man or woman to perish. He's waiting to the last moment when nothing else can be done. He's not slow or slack concerning his promise. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's patience. And just like our heavenly father is patient, do you know, we as his children, as fathers especially, have to be patient. With our families, we have to be patient with our children. You can't just jump in and be erratic and offload your emotions in your mind. You've got to, patience holds you back. Patience puts a guard over your tongue. Patience has a perfect work in their lives as you allow it to function in your life as a father. Fathers protect. Their, loves, their love protects through the guidance and the instruction that they give. Fathers, a father's love provides. It provides stability. It, it provides care and warmth and lavishes love. That's provision. A father's love is patient. And finally, a father's love perseveres. A father's love perseveres. This is, one of the, this is one of the wonderful attributes of the love of God that is within us and which resides in God. He perseveres. His love perseveres. His love never gives up. His love only has one outcome, and that's winning. It's not going to fail. It's not going to lose. It's a persevering love that never, ever gives up. That's why Paul in Romans chapter 8 says, Who can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus? And then he lists a whole host of things. And he concludes, not even death itself can, can separate us from this wonderful love of God in Christ Jesus. It's a love that perseveres. It's a love that comes on through. It's a love that never gives up. It's a love that always wins. Fathers, you have a love inside you as a result of Jesus living into you that perseveres, that enables you to be everything that God has called you to be in the home. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, we're not talking about MTV love here. We're not talking about sex, you know, drugs, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll love. We're not talking about that love. We're not talking about a flimsy love here. We're talking about the agape love of God that's not moved by emotions, that's not moved by feelings, that's not up one minute and down another, that's not just in word only. But, but you see, love is a verb. It's an act. It's a demonstration. It's, it's, a, it, 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 it's persevering in its nature. Never gives up. No MTV, no MTV love here. The love of God resides in us, and one of the evidences that God lives in you is that you have left those old things that were in your past and old behaviors and attitudes, and now you stand strong in that wonderful love, and people can see it, and people are blessed by it. John says in this verse, God is love. God is love. What John tells us in his letter, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 goes on to define clearly and details it perfectly. Let me read it to you. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. 
It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And one other, another translation puts it this way. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And finally, to cap it off, Paul, seeing the love of God, said this, it never fails. What a standard. Now, of course, as dads, we're going to stumble and fall in our journey as fathers in many ways. But let's not just settle for that. Let's not just be satisfied with that. Let's use the measure and the gauge of God's Word to set a new standard for our lives as we parent our kids. Amen? Amen. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says this. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And you need this one as a dad. You need it yourself. I need it. But certainly we need to approach our children with this heart and this love for them. Our love covers a multitude of sins. It covers their wrongdoing. It covers any eventuality in their lives because why? We want to bring them into everything that God has for them. I'm going to ask James to come. We're going to close the service in a moment. Love, love protects in the guidance and the instruction and the commands that it brings for a child's future. Love provides, it lavishes its love, and it's a blessing. Do you know, and listen, there's some really direct things in the Bible for our lives. Very important. Do you know there's one scripture in the New Testament? You see, the Bible doesn't make any provision for an absentee father. There's one scripture in the Bible that says this. If a man will not provide for his family, he is worse than an unbeliever. Now, you see, the scriptures, the scriptures and the Word of God make no provision for absentee fathers. That is not to, to put a guilt trip on anybody. That's to say, listen, there's kids involved here. You better get your act together. There's children that need you, that you're responsible for. So it's, it's strong words, strong direction, a huge responsibility, weight that a father carries. But I'm telling you now, if you go with it with a good attitude, if you go with it knowing your weaknesses, but trusting God, He will make you strong. I'm telling you now, God will, God will, God will enable you and anoint you and, 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 and bless you to be the father that he's called you to be in your home. I'm going to finish this morning by telling you an amazing story about a father and his son. A father called Dick Hoyt. And Rick, his son. You may have heard this story, but Rick Hoyt was born January the 10th, 1962 in Holland, Massachusetts. He was born with cerebral palsy. On birth, the umbilical cord got wrapped around his neck, depriving his brain of the oxygen that he needed for a normal life. Doctors told his devastated parents that he would always have a very limited quality of life. He was to be a paraplegic. And they advised Rick's parents to institutionalize him. They told him to forget him. He's going to be, this is in the words of his father, he's going to be a vegetable for the rest of his life. Dick and his wife were broken hearted. 
They cried and cried over the decision about their son. Doctors on one hand saying, institutionalize him. He's a vegetable. He's a cabbage. But the love in a father and a mother's heart would not let go of their paraplegic child. They decided that they would take Rick home and raise him like any other child. Against the odds, look at Mark saying amen. Come on, Mark. Wonderful. Against all the odds, Rick went through school. And one day he graduated from university. He grew up, you see, in a loving home. His physical frame was not like anybody else's. He was a paraplegic. But the love of his father and his mother and his two brothers brought him on through. It was in 1977 when Rick was 15 that he asked his father if they could run their first five-mile race together at school. The school was having a, an event to raise funds for one of Rick's friends who had recently become paralyzed. Rick was a paraplegic. He wanted to give his life to raise funds. He wanted to do his part to raise funds for his friend's friend who had suddenly become paralyzed. The only problem was Dick, his father, wasn't a runner. But because he loved his son, he didn't care whether he fitted the bill. He didn't care whether he had a background in running or not. He just wanted to do this for his son and for the paralyzed young man that needed help and support. So on that day, they set out. Dick was pushing Rick in his big old wheelchair. It was like a bed when you watch it and you see the video. And he pushed him to the, to the start line and there was a few sniggers and people were kind of looking down their nose, wondering what they were doing there. And Dick remembers the moment well because he said we were given a number, double zero. And it was as if people were saying, listen, you're only going to get to the first corner and turn around and come back. You're not even going to get a few hundred yards, never mind five miles. Well, the amazing thing was, Dick pushed his son all the way round that marathon five miles and completed, completed the race. And he came out of that, that, that five-mile race saying, listen, what I saw as positive was that we came second to last. We didn't come last. Well, it was later that night. Rick was only 15 years of age, mind. He looked in his father's eyes he couldn't speak. They had a, a special machine called the Hope Machine. And he, he had to type on keys in order to communicate to his father through a computerized voice. And later that night, he typed these words, Dad, when we ran today, it felt as if I wasn't paralyzed. <laughs> My God. Woo! That was all Dick needed as a father to hear my my son feels free when i ran with him so with a new resolve at 40 years of age dick began his training regime every day he would get a cement bag and put it in the wheelchair and start running, start training because he wanted to enter marathons with his paraplegic son. What a crude way. Many of us are just, you know, get down the gym, but they didn't have the money for that. He just got an old cement bag, put it in Rick's wheelchair and started pushing it around the place and running with it. And slowly but surely, his fitness improved and he managed to get a five, he managed to do a 5k race in 17 minutes they were on their way on their way dick's motto to rick was and it became a world famous statement 
from their lives, it was this. Yes, you can. When everybody's saying you can't, when everybody's looking at your condition, when everybody's looking at the reasons why you can't do what they are doing, Dick's father stood in the face of it all and said, yes, you can, son. And he gave his life to his son in order to prove that and to flesh it out. As of March, listen to this. As of March 2016, the Hoyts had completed 1,130 endurance events over 39 years. Six of them, Ironman triathlons. They ran the Boston Marathon 32 times. Dick pushing Rick. Also adding to their list of achievements, Dick and Rick biked and ran across the United States in 1992, completing a full 3,770 miles nonstop over 47 days, passing through 18 states. An incredible feat. A father, a father protecting the life of his son. I'm unwilling for him to be institutionalized. A father providing for his son, putting all of the resources of his life into that young man's future, no matter what his condition, even though he was a paraplegic. A father, patient. You talk about being patient. The love of this father, so patient. Because he knew where he was going. He knew that his son had a bigger picture than lying on a bed for his life. A father's love here, persevering, not giving up, not bowing down to what the, the, the remarks of others. You can give us a double zero, but yes, we can do this and yes, we will do it. Amen. Amen. I'm going to take a moment right now. Do you want to see Dick and Rick in action? Yeah? Well, I'm going to show you a video and then I'm going to come back. Come on. Let's have a look at this.
Amen. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We've come to a close. I'm just going to pray over every dad in this place. Father, we thank you for what we've heard, seen from your word today. We thank you for the example that you've demonstrated. We thank you what we've, for what we've seen visually on the screen. The Father's love laying his life down for his son. And Lord, I pray that each and every one of us as fathers here today, Lord, that we would lay our lives down as you laid your life, as you laid your son down for us, Jesus. Father, I pray that each and every one of us would have a new resolve to be those fathers that you have called us to be. It is an awesome responsibility. It is an awesome commitment. It requires everything that we are to be placed at the disposal of our children, the disposal of our homes. And Lord, we pray that our work and our role as dads would bring pleasure to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for anyone here today that doesn't know you as Savior. Jesus, I pray that they, as they come to know you, that they would come into a right relationship with the Father. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. If you have never asked Jesus into your heart, right now Jesus is the bridge, the door into this wonderful new relationship that you can have with your heavenly Father in heaven. The Father that you may never have had is waiting as we've sung with open arms to embrace you. He'll never fail you, never leave you. He'll never be absent from you. He'll provide all of the care that you need. I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer and ask Jesus into your heart right now. You're going to step right into a new relationship with him as God's son. And with a new, fresh relationship with your Father in heaven. Say this. Say, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Father, I want a relationship with you. I want to know you as my heavenly Father. Fill my empty heart with your love. Fill my life with your new life that you want to give. I believe that you gave Jesus, your son, to die on the cross for me so that I might have a relationship with you as I call on his name. I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'm telling you now, today is a brand new day for your life. You have entered into, just through calling on his name, the Bible says his loving arms come around you and saves you. You have entered into a relationship that's only going to grow, unfold, and blossom in the days, months, and years to come. If you prayed that prayer and you want a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible. And we say this every week. Listen, just keep turning up. Just keep coming back. You're part, and we want to make you part of this family, God's people as we walk together on this journey called life. Why don't we